Hello and welcome to the EMS Improv Podcast. I'm Eric Chase, and where we engage, we are mindful, and we share or tell our stories. We are powered by GEMS. Our guest today is going to be retired NYPD, New York in the house, ladies and gentlemen. He has a Master of Science in Public Safety and Emergency Management. He's a paramedic lieutenant for um, Rockland Paramedic Services, Rockland uh, County, New York, just up there uh, off the Hudson River. For all of you that know, um, he has a passion for training and helping others, uh, sharing his uh, desire, his experiences for leadership management, just being a good all-around person. One of the reasons that I uh, enjoy having this gentleman on with us today is because uh, we we met via, via social media, via LinkedIn. I like his positivity. I like who he connects with and how he connects with people because he, he he's real. Uh, that might be the Brooklyn in him, but uh, without further ado, Michael Hanat, or for all of those that you that know him or are unfamiliar or unwilling to say it properly as his family's heritage is, again, that's Michael Hanat, but AKA Michael Chanat, Michael Chanat, ladies and gentlemen, uh, from Orange County, where he lives, works in uh, Rockland County, and is from Brooklyn. Michael, welcome to the EMS Improv Podcast. Thank you. What's up, Eric? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What a humbling introduction. Appreciate it. Um, Home of Orange County Choppers. Definitely, definitely a landmark that most people should be uh, familiar with. Definitely understand that to be the case. Um, So, Michael, you and I have been talking. Uh, You know, we occasionally share uh, messages via LinkedIn. Um, I recently found out that you'd had COVID. Uh, text you and uh, you said, yeah, your investigative skills are on point, brother. Um, in, in, in this part of the conversation, before we get into a lot of your other whys, what's and hows, and the, and the things that I think that uh, your friends, uh, your coworkers, uh, the people that you've associated with, family, are going to be interested in hearing the stories that you have to tell and, and the rest of our listeners and, and those that follow GEMS, is we talked about your COVID and, and you made it a pretty significant distinction about, uh, and, and we're pretty upset about social distancing. And, and uh, I wanted to know uh, if you would jump into that, because where we, the MSM Proud Podcast, we engage, we try to be mindful and we share and tell our stories. And engagement is about the social aspect um, and you don't like social distancing term. So I would love to hear you re-explain that. Let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into that conversation as to your why and 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 let's start from that if you're okay with that absolutely absolutely um going way back uh it seems like an eternity ago uh march of 2020 it was like march 3rd i got my uh first symptoms of covid and before the whole country shut down on saint patty's day i was already um sent to quarantine at the house because I was tested positive while I was at home. It, it was the loneliest feeling. Um, we have a spare bedroom down in the basement. They used to be my mother-in-law's suite when uh, she was alive. And while I was down there, I had a lot of time to think because I was by myself. There was nothing else to do, but think. And I was listening to streaming podcasts and radio broadcasts of what was going on in the world around me. And I had heard 
about social distancing, social distancing. And that bothered me because at, at our nature, very nature, very core, our essence, people are social animals. We're social creatures. We've, for 10,000 years, gathered in tribes and packs. And to be distanced socially uh, was something that I thought was harmful. Um, if it wasn't for friends of mine, family of mine, either texting, calling, um, video chatting, stuff like that, um, I would have gone insane. And I was getting restless on the first few days when people were trying to be nice and like leave me alone to let me get through what I was going through. Um, so I, I have a personal gripe with the term social distancing. Um, to me, if you want to physically distance, you want to isolate, that is fine. But I even have a term with isolation. You want to put me into isolation, fine. But if I should isolate myself, that's, again, going against your DNA uh, of being a social creature, of wanting to be out there and interacting with other people. Um, and I think a lot of harm has come out as a result. I've seen, um, as an EMS provider, a lot of kids that were high school aged and or just beginning college at that point, um, which would include my kids that have maybe exacerbated anxieties um, that normally come along with growing up and transitioning at that age. And, and this isolation just got them more hyped up. Uh, people who have normal problems with depression, uh, people with PTSD and stuff like that, we're also starting to um, show more exacerbated signs because nobody was helping. And the biggest thing that I've seen is um, my wife teaches Taekwondo as a, as a uh, senior instructor, and she deals with an after-school program with young kids. And a lot of the younger kids don't have um, either social skills or don't understand certain things because they were in that period of isolation, kept home from school, and they didn't have a way to interact, way to develop their uh, social skills, to develop their language and stuff like that, to, to process their emotions and to deal with that. Um, so for me, social distancing is a, is a very toxic term, um, and it might be just me. But I know that there's other people who have similar views as well. Even if it was just you, uh, I applaud you for sharing that. Um, I have to tell you, and, and we did not rehearse this conversation. Uh, part of the EMS Improv uh, podcast is I want guests to have points that they want to share. And I try to ensure that we share them. But we do not have a script. We do not go based upon a hierarchical uh strategy we don't have an outline specifically uh we go and we flow um and and that's engaging because as you and i accept and honor one another with connecting and conversation about what we're talking about that ebbs and flows and can change hence the improvisation um i, I want to just say that i also agree with you there is science rooted in this um, in your feelings and beliefs that uh, isolation is detrimental to our spirits and souls. The human person, uh, the genome human, is, is intended to connect, to be social beings, to be social creatures, to engage one another, to con make connections, 
to have authentic relationships. And we have become so devolved from having authentic relationships. And because we've one, been in physical isolation, you know, we have so many employees that have been remote workers for so long. Those of us in the public safety fields have not been able to do that. But when we came home, we felt like we had to kind of isolate from our families because maybe we were bringing home this virus to them and or anything else that was going on. So I, I think to your point, I, I love that you articulate it. I love that you feel it and I love your passion about it. Um, we need to do a better job of engaging one another. You know, simple highs and how are you? Dude, places that I go that I work with them, I have the same uniform on or work for the same organization. And you can say hi to people and one, you know they've looked at you. They, they avert their yep. eyes. They avert their eyes. They turn their heads. They, they, they don't reciprocate. When does this become appropriate behavior in a professional environment? Absolutely. I, 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 Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, I don't get that either. Um, the engagement, the empathy, making that human connection um, is very, very, like you said, to the core of the genome. Um, you want to be able to um, actually pay attention to when you say, hey, how are you feeling? How are you doing? It shouldn't just be like your typical Brooklyn, what's up? And you just keep passing and going and you really don't care what is happening, what is up. You you want to know what they're doing and, and you want to listen to, are they feeling, um, are they good? Are they right? Or should you stop and do something for them? And to help them, and and that goes into kind of the core of maybe what we'll talk about later on with my passion for leadership is part of leadership includes empathy and making that connection and engaging people. Um, going back to law enforcement, um, the only way you were able to, if you're interrogating somebody or even just interviewing someone, which is the step below interrogation, you need to engage in them. Um, they... They used to do um, CPOP, community police orient, um, out on patrol, and community policing um, was the way that they came back in the 80s with getting cops back out on the beat. And um, then in the 90s, they had an initiative they used to call Park, Walk, and Talk. They wanted the cops to get out of the patrol cars and to actually engage with the public. And engaging with the public was phenomenal. That's that's how you got those relationships. That's how um, you got your information. That's how you knew that they had your back and that the community actually supports you um, and doesn't hate you and appreciates you coming into their neighborhoods and doing what you have to do. Um, and the only reason you got that was, like you said, the engagement. Authentic people engaging one another, being their authentic selves, being being vulnerable, vulnerability is a massive strength. And for those of us that have walked through any isolation and going back to your earlier point about not enjoying the, the phrase social distancing, I hate it as well. Um, yeah. Um, because it, it, it literally implies that we should not interact or engage. And, and I know that that's not what they intended it to do, but we physically intended, we physically did that with or without intention. We, uh, made our social groups much smaller, if not completely eradicated them. Uh, and, and in the workforce alone, where we have these things in our minds or brains called, it's neuroplasticity, it's neurons, we have mirror neurons, we are effectively changed by positive or negative traits. So as these things are 
coming through and smashing through our workplaces, uh, the strongest forces are going to overcome the weaker forces. And this whole lack of engagement, this lack of uh, social socialization, this lack of connecting, it's become so disgusting that we can't even have normal the normalization of accountability conversations because people feel like they're being screamed at, yelled at, or, or um, treated poorly if you have to engage them face-to-face. -face. You know, 164 tweet exchange, you know, emails where there's no nuance, there's no facial recognition, there's no body language, there's no empathy. You can't empathize with the text, right? You Absolutely. empathize with the human directly across from you. They, they're emoting things. And to me, that's what leadership is, is by being able to know your people, right? To engage them on a regular basis, to normalize that time around them. That when there is a, a bleep show, a shit show, excuse me, that, that occurs, that uh, you know how to best deal with each of them individually as their individual selves, not as, uh, you know, when somebody poops their pants, all of them gets to wear diapers, right? Yep. Um, Absolutely. And, and and that's the worst form of management that I see in leadership. Well, it's not even leadership. That That is management by, by organizations that literally don't give their quote unquote leaders by title uh, authority to have conversations and to deal with people. They don't give them HR training. They don't give them uh, training in how to engage one another uh, on an appropriate professional safe level. And when I mean safe, I mean there are things that you are not able to do uh, per HR standards, which are usually rooted in, in law. Um, and if they're not, they need to be. Um, <laughs> so to your point, uh, you know, law enforcement, and, and uh, you and I have that similar background. So when I was interviewing someone, the same thing is, is you wanted to feel or make them feel as comfortable as possible so that they would be willing to share as much as possible. Um, and to be your honest self. So we, we come to work and whether it be in law enforcement, fire, EMS, uh, public safety in general, nursing, physicians, we wear these facades, we wear these uh, body armor, we wear these capes and whatever else, these badges that, that we can put out in front of us to make us feel a little more comfortable as to who we are. You talked earlier about imposter syndrome. and you know, if we can bloviate and push forward and, and, and have these things that aren't really truly us, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a reflection of what we hope to be, or it's a position of authority that demands respect as opposed to is given respect because it gives respect in return. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's beyond my palpable comprehension. Um, one of the things that we do with the EMS Improv where we do engage our mindful and we share our stories is we use improv exercises to help shape these experiences with coworkers and leaders and, and in many cases across the broad spectrum of an organization where we go in there and we do a site analysis and we talk about what um, their specific needs are, why there maybe is a lack of engagement. Well, do your, do your bosses, whatever, whatever title you want to give them, do they actively get around to the stations and to the to the places where the crews are hanging out? Well, no. Well, that's a big issue. You know, so we, we just talk, you know, they can answer the questions for us. And really, honestly, us asking the questions, if, if they want to fix the problems, 
they see them. We just need to help push. And, but the other big thing is, and I want to hear your thought on this, we don't know what we don't know. And how many people, how many people, Michael, do not want to ask for help or admit that they need help? Because I've got this, we've got this. And, and it's, not a, it's not a male or female bravado, bravado thing. It's a human thing where I've got this, I don't need your help. And it's almost disrespectful when somebody offers a training that our organization can do or that your clinical staff can do, or you as a, a lieutenant, you know, you offer mm -hmm. some advice and people take patent offense to it. They're, how are you patently offended by, by, by this? You, you know, they don't want to listen. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. It's a definitely a great question. Um, having I'm sorry. Um, having people that are out there not asking for help, that that was probably one of my biggest lessons myself um, through various growth spurts in uh, leadership and or formal titles is I've always been used to, um, I, and, and it might be a function of me growing up as an only child. I never had a brother or sister that would uh, be around to help me or get me in trouble. But so I, I learned to do things on my own, how to do things on my own. And that's just the way I kind of grew up. Uh, but I would also be the first person that you ask for help. I'm there for you. But I would sit there and struggle doing something myself uh, without asking you to help. Mm -hmm. um, so once I was able to kind of overcome that, and I still struggle with it, um, because sometimes it's an ego thing and, and you need to learn to check your ego if you're ever going to lead and be an effective leader, because it's not about you. It's about getting things done. And, and sometimes to get things done, it's more than you. So, um, one of the things that used to do is getting people to work together. And, and I think in order to get people to work together, you need to get them together before they have to work. So um, what we used to do is um, you'd have random units that would be staged out in the field and you kind of would figure out who's sitting where and you drive by and you hang out and you chat. It's these, again, social engagements that you're having, getting to know each other, getting to know each other's strengths um, so that in the middle of something, you're able to just call out and say, hey, uh, Eric, I need you to do this. Um, and, and I know you're going to be able to do it because you and I have talked. I know what your capabilities are. Um, I know what your willingness with certain things are. I know that um, maybe you have an adversity to broken bones, but not blood. So I said, okay, we'll have you take care of this patient, not that patient, um, because we've had these conversations before. Um, getting to know people, you have to communicate with them. Um, communicating with them, like you were saying um, earlier, um, text messages and a lot of that stuff, emails are not gonna be effective. Um, you have to be where your people are. Um, my partner Vinny that I think you and I were talking about earlier, um, he always laughed and he says, oh, what are you doing now? I said, I'm on Snapchat. He's like, how are you on Snapchat? He says, isn't that for the kids? I said, well, that's where the people are. If that's where my people are, that's where I need to be. Um, as an instructor, I was always taught to know where your audience is and who they are and be able to speak to them. So if I want to get my message out, I need to know where they are that they're listening. 
So whether um, we talk about social media for people who try to get their content out, whether it's LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Instagram, um, and, and there's all kinds of platforms that I'm still starting to become familiar with myself, but you, you need to learn where, how to communicate with them, what is their preference for that communication, um, to be able to tailor your message um, in a way that they understand it, uh, break it down so that it's simple, um, and then you get it out to them by interacting with them and engaging in them. You're, you're singing music to my ears, and I would love at some point to get back up to uh, New York and uh, – in, in, in collaboration with you and, and, and what you're doing, you know, bring a presentation, bring a workshop, bring you in and, and uh, be a part of the presentation where we collaborate and, and show what our ex experiential learning and knowledge has given us. And then we bring some different tools that some people have not heard or seen utilized in the fashion and form that we can bring to them. And I think that the opportunities that you want for people and meeting them where they are, um, I, I want to say something to that point. Uh, you know, I know a lot of organizations uh, across the country uh, as I meet people and go uh, to different events and, and things uh, around the country. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, you'll hear, you'll hear the rank and file side. I'm not on Facebook or I'm not on this. And they, I can't believe that they, uh, they put all of their postings for job needs or they don't communicate this to an email or the supervisors aren't coming around and, and leaving a memo and then putting it in a binder and then updating it regularly. And then that's part of your daily reading at the beginning of shift, you know, where you need to make sure what's going on. But, you know, they expect you to get on Facebook or they expect you to get on whatever brain or this or that other service provider when that gets so convoluted and not everybody has access to those because they don't want to, don't choose to, and it's not a condition of their employment. Um, a condition of employment is I come here to do my job for da 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 da. I've been given a job description, and then why do leaders in your organization not have job descriptions? And because you don't want them to actually have to do things because you want to keep a thumb on them as well. They're there in title not ability or knowledge or skills uh, it's seemingly in, in, in so many institutions around the country so we're going to use all these different things as opposed to having face-to-face -face conversations and having supervisors and managers and bosses um, go see these people why because you're so busy what answering emails that, or not answering emails and what whatever the case you know i get a significant distinction between management and leadership but when people have a title of leader in some way, shape, or form, um, and, and literally all they are doing is managing or micromanaging without bringing people up, building people up, and pushing them beyond where they are, um, are, are not leaders in my book. And, and uh, I love that you mentioned that you meet people where they are. And, and that, that, that's a tenant uh, in, in religiosity and spirituality in education, if we were just to slow down and drill down just a little bit and go back to human connections, engagement, and care, you know, we could do a lot better for one another. But because isolation has been pushed on us and it's been forced on us, um, people then get comfortable in what they're comfortable in and it's hard again to change.
Um, Michael, you do a lot of work and, and I, I see so many of your posts on leadership and how you can help. What is an area that you like to focus on uh, as, as you're doing some consultation, whether it be currently at your employer or uh, on your side gig uh, to work with people uh, and, and work with prospective clients to say, these are some of the areas, you know, because I'm just bringing a different perspective. I know you have smart people there. And uh, how do you bring your perspective? And what are some of the things that you like to present these uh, people? your underlings, if you will, your subordinates and, and organizations that you're assessing or they're asking you to evaluate them? Well, one of the things um, bringing back with um, what you just shortly said uh, between Matt, the distinction between management and leadership. And a recent post that I had put together was that leadership and management are actually uh, two faces of the same coin. And how so is you need to have both aspects in order to have that coin. In order to be effective, you need to have management skills and you need to have leadership skills. Leaders can rally people, but they can sometimes get lost in doing certain tactical or managerial things that need to get done in order for um, your business or your agency to go forward. Um, in order to have your agency or business go forward, you need to have people. I always say that your number one resource is your human resource. Mm -hmm. uh, without your people, you're not gonna be successful. So in order for your people to be successful, you need to, like you keep saying, uh, engage with them and, and get them to be uplifted. You need to provide an environment for them where they're capable of doing what they need to do and that you support them so that they're capable of becoming more than they uh, believe in themselves. Uh, you build them up and um, tell them what to do. Don't tell them how to do it. Um, I believe it was Patton had said that, and you'll be amazed by what they uh, deliver. Um, one, one of the times we worked with uh, Boy Scouts on a service project and we had told the boys that we wanted to have an area cleaned up and done and it was amazing how what we just minimally expected to get done they went far beyond what we exceeded and they impressed us very much so and that was one of my earlier lessons um, with leadership with if they can get it at a young age that we should be able to share this and present it with adults um when I speak with people who are either above my rank or in a position that I am unfamiliar with, um, I don't, I look at myself as a leadership coach, not necessarily an executive coach. I can't tell you how to run your business. I'm not going to be able to tell you how to run your business better. You know the nuances or ins and outs of how your business operates or your industry operates. However, I can come in and I can tell you how you should be interacting with your people, supporting your people, building your people up, and how you as a leader deal with your people will make a difference in your business. Um, because no matter how much you manage something, you're never going to be able to succeed if you micromanage people and these people continue to leave. You're going to end up having to... Um, hire more people, 
uh, waste more money on onboarding, and, and you're going to lose out in the long term. If you're going to survive, if you're going to have that long game uh, in mind, it's all about taking care of the people that are in your charge. Yeah. Um, the best resource is the human resource. That's one of the things that you said. Um, you know, wh whatever the goal is, is what I'm hearing is that mindset matters and it takes deliberate practice and to have that positive kind of intelligence coaching is what you're doing. Uh, you're staying present. You're in the moment. Uh, there's deep intention and there's, there's focus on that human being, which then affords them the ability to feel seen, to be heard, to be recognized for them to have shared and told their story, if you will, to feel like they can be creative and collaborate. Um, hence, you know, when people say, well, this, what's this yes and crap, you know, because, you know, people scoff at it. You, if you don't know what you don't know, and you're unwilling to ask the questions, stop complaining about it if you're not thinking you need it anyhow. You know, that, that would be my first thing, uh, you know, to people that are naysayers of, of products and ideas and thoughts. Um, and I didn't come up with this miraculously, my, my idea, but, you know, in 2016, 2017, when I started doing it, uh, there weren't a lot of people in our industry and in medicine in general doing it. Uh, so I wrote my first article. It went out there. Dr. Peter Antevi and I were talking and started doing this and this and started collaborating with people, um, people that support you. And Michael, uh, you and I were very supportive of, of uh, you know, of, of Dr. Antevi uh, mm -hmm. article where it said, you know, those that you support are the, you know, see who supports you, uh, you know, and th those are the people that you need to continue to support. It needs to be reciprocated, right? It, it's something to that yes. perspective. And, uh, you know, doesn't mean don't give attention, but spend most of your energy on places where your, 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 uh, your work is being reciprocated or at least being yeah. appreciated and, and shared. Right. Um, so with this point of concentration, and that deep intention, it, it can change our emotions and we can act in a manner for which you as this person coming in with the, the leadership skills and the management skills that are congruent with one another and better engage your people. And there's this whole thing called, you know, uh, addition by subtraction, where there's gonna be people, yep. you don't have to terminate people anymore. You give them the objectives, you hold them accountable when they feel to meet the measurables, they're going to leave under their own accord based upon their own actions or inactions. You know, so we get so caught up in, in, in losing people because we're in shortages and stuff. Get rid of the people that stuck in your uh, employee because the, re the people that are leaving are the people that don't suck in your employee that continue to see you allow the bad, horrendous behavior in your employees that want to strive beyond mediocrity. And those that are at mediocrity and below are the ones that will stay and stay and stay. Well, those that are looked at as jerks and bleep holes uh, or too rigid and too tight or too high strung yet are clinically groomed and, and generally well-rounded and studied and like caring for people and, and like having relational interactions with people as opposed to just transactional or I show up and I do X, Y, and Z, and I get them to sign their PCR and I drop them off at the hospital. Boom. That isn't, in fact, what we do. But when you bring in the best resource, the human resource, that is not what we should be doing solely. 
And uh, I, I love your perspective on that. Um, there are other things that I know you want to share and talk about. So I want to give you some latitude without me asking you a question. Uh, as we've been talking, you know, things have been streaming through your head as well that you'd like yeah. to share, uh, that you'd like to share on, on leadership principles. Um, well, one, one of the biggest things is um, empathy, um, making that connection, understanding where people are from. I, I, I find a lot of times people, and, and it's not necessarily the fault of the individuals. Uh, I guess I was uh, fortunate or blessed uh, growing up in New York City, specifically in Brooklyn. Um, it was a very diverse neighborhood, very diverse uh, junior high school, high school. Um, going to college was uh, a very diverse environment in the city. And getting to know, and, and possibly even uh, a function of me being the uh, son of immigrants, is you learn that there are differences. You learn to um, train your ear a little better to, to listen to somebody and to cut through somebody's maybe accent or um, their, their struggle with the English language as a second language or a third language. Um, some people, they, they, they look at people that are having trouble understanding them as they're speaking to them or asking questions and they're not getting the fact that it's not a volume problem or a listening problem, a hearing problem. It's a comprehension problem. Um, you're, you're not necessarily understanding where they're coming from, what they're doing. So it's things like that that you're going to want to um, work on as a leader to, to learn yourself of other people's cultures, customs. And when you're showing up in someone's worst moment or worst day in their life, and you're able to say, um, other than, oh, I'm sorry that this happened to you, the and, and understand that somebody who's maybe of the Sikh religion that you don't want to take off their turban, um, or somebody who's Jewish that you don't want to take off their yarmulke, or that maybe you shouldn't touch a female uh, unnecessarily um, because men and women don't uh, touch each other or exchange each other if they're not married in certain religions. There, there's a lot of cultural things that as you learn, or if somebody you're trying to get somebody to look at you in the eye, and then you realize that in their culture, they don't look directly in your eye. It's a sign of disrespect. A lot of things that you learn along the way um, help to ease the suffering that this uh, person might be um, having at that moment. I know on a couple of the episodes that podcasts that you guys have uh, done, you talk about dark places that people are in. Um, and it's given me a whole profound meaning uh, or not meaning, uh, understanding of dealing with these people um, and understanding that you kind of need to join them there. Tell them, listen, I'm here with you. Um, I understand. I've been here before and I've got the light to show you the way out and we can do this together. Um, so whether it's dealing with somebody who's emotionally distraught, uh, somebody who's dealing with the loss of a parent or loved one, 
um, somebody who is sick and suffering, but you're able to either say something nicely, um, respect a custom, um, allow somebody to go with them, um, let them take a prayer book of some sort uh, that's meaningful to them or, or rosary beads. All these little things make a difference in somebody's life. And um, it's often said with uh, Maya Angelou that they'll, they'll never remember what you said or what you did, but they'll always remember how you felt, made them feel. And I find that the times that um, people either call back um, or write a letter or send an email these days, um, it's usually the ones where you kind of did that above and beyond extra. Um, and, and the above and beyond is the only reason I'm saying it that way is because it seems to be the standard isn't that high. Um, that to me, this should be done with each and every person. Um, everybody deserves the respect. Everybody deserves your courtesy. Everybody deserves what you're doing. And unfortunately, there have been um, several cases recently where we've had um, police-involved shootings, but we've seen EMS crews that have been standing around that either do nothing or um, are doing things to patients that they really shouldn't be because either they're tired, they're frustrated, or something else is going on. And I'm not going to necessarily commentate on what's gone through their minds or what, what they were doing. But it's if you walk in with this mindset of doing no harm and of caring for others and just being genuinely um, kind is where you're going to be able to do the best, to do the greatest good for the people that are um, depending on you in their time of need. 100% in, in my perspective. Um, one, one of the things, in, and it's very difficult for individuals to be authentic, to be relational, as opposed to transactional. I, I think a lot of employers want you to just do your transaction and be on with it and get to the next transaction and be on with it and do your next transaction and be on with it. And, and so they look at our patient care as transactions uh, because it's billable. I don't care what you put unless that PCR uh, is billable and, and uh, it doesn't have to be clinically sound as long as it's billable. And your treatment modality doesn't have to be much because we're, we're basically um, getting re reimbursed for the mileage. So what, what is the, in, the inherent interest and intent of organizations to make and, and have and provide opportunities for uh, the emerging medical profession to be more clinically sound when in fact a warm body in a seat, which is obviously the perception that many of us have uh, is all that's needed because it seems like all they want is a transaction to happen. However many transactions that can occur within your shift is wonderful not how many relationships you can improve, how many patients you could have engaged with in your 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, however long you're with them, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's where we need to have this re-shifting, paradigm shift, glacial pace stop and, and, and chop it up. Because when we talk about uniform, remaining the same in all cases at all times, unchanging in form or character, and I understand the, the context of needing to have a uniform to be an up here professional and this organization wears this uniform and this uni agency wears this uniform. But uniformity 
and unchanging in character and all the same does not, it, it goes back to almost the social isolation. Because if I am forced to be anything other than who I am, yes, working for an organization, whatever that may be, working for myself, I still have stipulations that I must stand by as the CEO uh, of my organization, which I wouldn't have anybody else that works with me or for me not do, right? So that's part of the leadership principle, right? I won't do anything that I'm not going to ask them to do um, or that I... so. But uniformity does not allow for authenticity. It does not allow for relationship. And I'm not talking at this point beyond our physical uniforms. I'm talking about what is instilled in us, indoctrinated um, during training. You know, you're no longer this and you're only this now. And, and uh, you know, we see on different vehicles around the country in, you know, God we trust, you know, or X, Y, Z you know, to serve and protect and all these different things. And, and are those realities or are they, are they just slogans that look nice, but, but it's not congruent with what we actually are doing, right? Uh, it's, well, one of the things that you kind of were bringing up and, and it reminded me of uh, probably 1990, 91, um, I was a hospital-based uh, paramedic unit at the time. So as being a hospital employee, we had to go through corporate compliance. And one of the topics during that day of corporate compliance um, dealt with customer service. And it boggled my mind as this young um, medic on the streets of doing uh, 911 and dealing with patients and probably at that point now that we're thinking about it uh, in a transactional mindset of just trying to get as many hot jobs as possible um, I never thought about customer service it wasn't until a while later that I understood that we're driving around with a billboard advertising the hospital's name it had the hospital's phone number on the side of it um, each patient that we were coming into contact with had a choice of where they wanted to go. Generally, we would recommend, hey, would you like to go to our hospital? And if they said yes, we would bring them back and that would be great. But if they wanted to go somewhere else, they had a choice. Um, what a lot of leaders need to understand in today's day and age is even though insurance restricts certain things for patients who are actually the customers, um, they do have options. They have options not to come to your hospital. They can go to another hospital. They can go to an urgent care. Um, private primary care physicians need to understand they're not the only practice in town. There are other practices that your patients can go to. Um, you have in certain areas you can call you might have you might not be able to get them through 911 but you have other ambulance services that you're able to call and get them to transport you to different facilities i'm finding at times that 
people don't want to go to one of the local hospitals in the county. They want to go to one that's across the state line or down in the city. And the reason they want to go there is because they feel that they are getting better care there. And the one thing that I learned when I was in retail is the customer's perception is the customer's reality. No matter what we see and know or believe the facts to be, um, we're not going to change that customer's perception um, until we do something different. So caring for that patient, um, holding their hand for the ride in, if that's what it requires, um, talking to them, um, telling them why they're going to a better um, facility than another one, um, explaining and building up and standing on your laurels um, as a provider is how you're going to build that service. You should be the first thing that pops into a patient's mind when they start thinking about the situation of, if I have to call 911, I hope that it's, in our case, Rockland Paramedics that shows up. Um, I hope that um, in the city that it's FDNY shows up. I hope that it's New York Hospital shows up. Whatever the different um, services are that people have come accustomed to um, that have been served well by their service provider are the ones that are going to deal with it. Um, on LinkedIn, I, I, while I try to, while my messages are generally towards EMS populations, um, I have a very eclectic um, network. I have people that are in retail that have never done EMS at all, never been in law enforcement, never done anything. But these principles of customer service um, engagement um, transcend all these industries because if you're going to survive as an entity, whether it's an EMS agency or a um, or a small mom and pop store, you need to cater to your customers. You need to know where your customers are. You need to go out, reach out to them. You need to be able to effectively communicate with them. Um, you need to provide them with something that they see of as value, because if they're not going to get value out of you, they're going to go somewhere else where they are going to get value or where they're going to feel valued. Um, and, and I think that's a big thing. I, I hear you feel feeling valued or getting value and whatever that looks in form. Uh, or fashion to the individual is what matters. And, you know, you, you talked about a lot of things like empathy and, uh, you know, I, I, in my mind, I'm interpreting these as a, those effective skills, right? Which I then catapult to essential skills, which are not taught. They're rarely taught in medical school. They're rarely taught in EMT school. They're really rarely taught in uh, paramedic school. They're rarely taught in nursing. Um, you know, we expect that you come to the table with whatever you come with, uh, with or without the capabilities of effectively dealing with individuals, engaging them with empathy, uh, with listening prowess, right? With, uh, with the ability to collaborate, to the, with the ability to accept them, whether or not you agree with them or not. No, forget about it. These are things that we don't care that you have or don't have until ultimately it causes a massive problem. And then we're looking at ourselves like, what do we do wrong? Well, if you, because we, we continue to do it wrong because we fail to see that these skills are not being the, the prevailing, uh, prevailing part of ed our education system because we don't allow creativity. We don't allow collaboration. We don't allow for uh, 
a two-way street, if you will. It's like, I'm going to give you this and you're going to regurgitate it. And I'm going to give you this and you're going to regurgitate it. I'm going to tell you what to do, or I'm going to tell you why I'm going to do it. And you're, we're expected to just expect that that's the way uh, things are supposed to happen. And that's a transaction. And we as humans are expecting, even if we can't articulate it, even, even if we haven't felt it for so many years because of COVID isolation or mental illness or anxiety or whatever, whatever moral, moral injury, whatever we're dealing with, right? If we mm -hmm. can't effectively engage other people with emotional intelligence and empathy, psychological safety, acceptance, even without agreement, all of these things, uh, I'm pretty angry today or passionate or, or both. Um, and, and not with you, of course. Uh, I would certainly hope not. <laughs> right. And, and, and what for, Eric? Why? That would be idiotic. Of course it would be. Um, because you had mentioned something earlier about, uh, you know, you weren't going to, we weren't going to get into it. And one of the things that I was thinking about not getting into was, uh, you know, the case up in Illinois with, uh, with the uh, paramedics uh, that, that are being uh, charged or uh, the fire firefighter EMTs, whatever their levels were in, in Memphis yeah. and, and all around the country where, where, you know, bad choices, poor decisions, bad training, lack of training, uh, lack of effective skills, lack of understanding, uh, a, a domineering force in front of you, uh, a manager, a supervisor, a, a coworker that doesn't allow you to interject, to improve, to say no, and no is appropriate. And I'm a yes ander, but there are times that we have to say, I understand what you're saying, and we are not going to do that. You know, so that that's a that's a, a way of saying no without saying no because um, we have to be able to confront. And and oh heaven forbid you say confront uh, because that sounds violent to me. Um, you know, when people say trigger, I understand that can be violent too. So let's choose to say, let's have a catalyst for change. And 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 if it's your behavior, my behavior, an incident that we need to improve. Let's use that as a catalyst for change, because if I want to confront you, which is technically what it is, I want to have an accountability conference, uh, conversation with you. You mm -hmm. feel some kind of way that I'm confronting you, because what, what happens when you have done something that you know you could have done better and you know you're going to be held accountable for? What feelings or emotions uh, go through your mind, Michael? You're going to have angst. You're going to have, um, you're going to be scared. You're going to be afraid. Um, a lot of stuff's going to go on. And I'm glad you brought this up. Um, I've been saving, I have a post that I want to put out on Monday for Mindset Monday. Um, but by the time this uh, podcast comes out, I'm, I'm knowing that I'm not going to be blowing or spoiling anything for anyone else. Um, a friend yeah, of mine this that will probably I, come I out Tuesday and, and write it back and forth. Yeah. So when, when I uh, get out there, um, Danny Langloss is somebody that I follow and we've become friends over the last two years um, on LinkedIn and we do a lot of video chats and stuff. Um, earlier this week, he had um, written about a mindset change in difficult conversations or dis difficult discussions. So instead of having a difficult discussion let's have a caring conversation 
and and it, it just it, it changed I, and i can still feel how it changes my mind um just by saying those words um difficult discussion is okay i'm gonna have trouble saying this with you you're gonna have trouble receiving the information um it's it, it I'm, I'm gonna get all worked up just trying as a leader that i've got to have this with you and for all i know you don't even care about what we're going to discuss however i know that if I'm going to have a caring conversation and, and you're having troubles and problems or you're not performing properly, um, I'm coming in with the mindset of caring about you. Is everything okay with you? Your performance is not up to snuff. Generally, you're able to handle these things or you're able to do this much work. Is everything okay at home? Is everything okay with you? And it comes back to this engagement part and the, the whether it's caring, empathy, kindness, um, and they're all different things because um, when you engage with the individual, they're going to then take down those defenses and they're going to maybe open up and they're going to share and they're going to, like we said earlier, be vulnerable. And, and you're going to be able to get to that core problem um, and, and come up with a solution for it together or have them come up with the solution to the problem because – as you know, most of your problems, if not all of them, begin with yourself and end with yourself because it, our mind can be a, a terrible place to be. So um, if we have somebody guiding us out and, and working with us, but they're showing us to work through the problem ourselves, we're going to be able to come up with that solution and, and come out. So um those situations we were talking with the uh, the two different EMT sets of EMS personnel, it, it's all about integrity, mm. and and the people gave up their integrity. Um, it, it's difficult as a leader to maintain your integrity. Um, your honesty has to remain intact. Um, a lot of things that are going to make a difference in these types of situations. Um, if you've made a mistake, you've got to own it. You've got to admit to it um, and, and move on from it. it. You don't intentionally do harm in this field. And if you are doing intentional harm, then there's something wrong and that you really shouldn't be in this field. And if what's going on with them being prosecuted then that's something that they own because of their decisions, their choices. Um, life is a series of choices. Uh, leadership is a choice. Uh, you choose to be a leader. Uh, people choose to follow you. You choose to do right or wrong. Um, you choose to listen or not. You choose to care or not. Um, so it's all these choices that you have to make. And as you're making them, you need to think about from your perspective, what are some of the unintended consequences possibly? Um, okay, so maybe I don't ask this person how they're feeling and then something happens. Or you ask them, but you're not li really listening to them. Well, not really listening to them. You may overhear, you may miss certain information. Um, I was discussing with somebody the other day, um, one of the newer medics about Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. In certain situations, um, when you got like somebody that you have to move out of a, a, a tangled wreck 
or somebody whose um, heart rate is slowing down or in a critical cardiac arrest situation, you need to move, you need to move quickly. But if you're kind of recklessly doing stuff because you're just going for the sake of speed, you, you may drop somebody, you may not see something, you may injure yourself, you may injure the patient. Um, you want to move slow enough that things are being done intentionally, mindfully, and you're able to even double check a calculation on a medication dose uh, with a pediatric patient or something. Um, you want to be able to do things right because, uh, again, nobody does this job intending to do harm. And when you kind of cross that point, um, you need to seek help or there should be people that are seeing these signs because generally this isn't the first time something like this has happened um and it, it's a maybe a systemic type of problem where things are being overlooked going back to um something we discussed and said earlier on that if you as a supervisor um do something walk past something or condone something or don't um take action on something you've set the bar and you may have set the bar even lower um I, I, I talk about the differences between um, personnel and leaders. And again, not leaders, not necessarily in rank, but just, just in position. Um, most people, most providers will do things as assigned. They have to be assigned to do something. Leaders don't necessarily do things as assigned. While they do do things as assigned, they also do things that are as indicated. Yes. And, and, and example, I, I wanted to, I wanted to breach breach that point for a moment. They have to be given the environment that that is allowed to be done, where they are trusted. Because without consistency in that type of behavior, um, when there are systems issues that don't allow for that to happen, but you have a leader continue to try to bud out of the ground um, because it continues to be watered by its training and its education that it receives and the conversations yep. and the books that it reads, but not the organization for which they work in. One of two things needs to happen. You need to leave that organization or they need to, to wake up and, 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 and learn and grow. And more than likely, the way we continue to see things is that people are leaving those organizations because they're not learning and growing. And um, I just I just wanted to to get on that point for just a quick second. Um, no, that's know. a that's a that's a great point. Um, that's actually one of the things that I I look forward to dealing with people is I like to to mentor them or offer career advice um, and answer questions for them because a lot of times people are stuck in a position and either they leave the industry because nobody showed them that there is a proper path to go down and not all is like where you're stuck or offering them a opportunity to be able to get out because people don't realize that there are better places, different places to work for. Um, and again, this goes back to customer service. Um, when I was in retail, one of the concepts that I learned about was not only are there the external customers, which are just what we usually call customers, there's internal customers. It's how are we treating the staff? How is supply chain supporting the storefront? 
how is the um, distributor um, providing the support for the people outside? There's a whole different, there are different levels of customers. And if management or leadership as a collective team are not supporting, creating that environment and nurturing it, um, you need to be able to um, know that there is a way to get out, but yet still remain within this profession. Uh, if we're going to grow EMS, if we're going to get past the uh, scheduling problems, we're going to need to make sure that we're dealing with retaining people. And in order to retain people, you need to make them, again, feel valued. They need to know that they're going to be educated. They're going to be trained. There's going to be opportunity for personal growth because um, a lot of people say about like Generation Z that they all want to move around, bounce around. Well, a lot of reasons that they're moving and bouncing is, one, they're not afraid of getting stuck in a hellhole for 40 years because I got to do this for 40 years in order to retire to get that Rolex watch and go die in, in pasture. Um, they realize that they don't have to put up with that BS. They can be treated uh, civilly somewhere else, and that's where they're going. Or they realize that I'm not going to get that training opportunity here, or I'm not going to get that growth opportunity here, and they go somewhere else. Um, one of the things that I try to do is show them that they do have opportunities sometimes where they are, or if they're asking me for where they should go, I help them come to the decision. If, if the right op if the right choice for you is to leave, I'll support you in that. Um, and, and that's what we'll do. Um, but let me help you get there or allow me to make some changes here if I can. Yes. As opposed to malign them, belittle them, and ridicule them for having thoughts, feelings, and opinions other than what you are throwing down the corporate throat. And and uh, yeah, it, it's it's repugnant, it's repulsive, it's disgusting, and we wonder why we continue to have issues uh, in in uh, well society generally, but in, in mobile medicine, EMS specifically. I mean, we have paramedics that can't even agree that we we. Um, for God's sakes, that we diagnose, because how are we treating if we don't diagnose? Well, we make a clinical observation and then we we just go down that road. Okay, if that's what mm -hmm. you know to call it, you know, well, let's mince words. I accept what you're saying without agreeing with it. Um, we need to continue the conversation so we can continue, continue to grow and evolve together. Yep. But we we want to operate in these silos and 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 feel like we're more superior than others. And and the one thing that I appreciate about you uh, and I know me. Humility is a big thing. I know, but if I'm speaking about something, it's because I know about something. And and I'm not just giving it, uh, I'm not yelling and screaming just because I have a feeling about it. It's because there's a foundational re issue and response that needs to be addressed. Um, and, and nine times out of 10, I get angry and upset because there's not a, a way for those things to be addressed without them being shot down before they get to the appropriate person or persons that can make or desire to have the, the change made. And we hate change. So heaven forbid we, uh, we, yeah. we, we do things to improve. Um, there's a lot more for you and I to talk about on another podcast. And uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, we did well enough for you that you would be willing to come back and, and carry on this conversation. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
because I, I think that we, we've only pierced the surface of a lot of things that uh, a lot of us want to hear and continue to talk about. And as you know, people that would be interested also in coming on the podcast, Michael, I would appreciate that uh, referrals and recommendations because we all have stories, right? Mindfulness does matter. Um, and and uh, you and I like engaging. Uh, and that's it. I get it that it can be scary to people. You know, you're not a small dude. I'm not a small dude. But we're not imposing because we're trying to impose upon other people what we want or need them to do. We're imposing from a standpoint of we have feelings that we're emotional and we're happy and proud about what we're sharing. And people have not felt comfortable doing that or not working in environments where they're allowed to do that themselves. So it seems off-putting and it seems uncomfortable or it helps make them feel uncomfortable. Um, we talked a lot about a lot of different things. Um, in wrapping it up, 30, 45 seconds. What, how would you want to encapsulate uh, something if, if you were going to share, and this is the only thing that they heard in this about an hour podcast, um, and you've said a lot of things that, that will resonate with people, but if you had about 45 seconds to share something or an idea or a couple ideas, what would they be, Michael? Well, um, there's, there, there's a idiom that one lady told me one time was that it is nice to be important, but it's important to be nice. And that that's stuck with me probably for the last 15 years or so. Um, it, it's, it's that human connection. Realize that we're all human beings. We have feelings. Um, even when we're doing our job and we're maintaining that professional level, stuff goes on inside. Um, make sure to communicate with each other. Um, get your baggage out if you have any. Um, make sure that you're checking for any baggage that maybe your partners and or your patients might have and offer to help them carry it or unload it. And if we're kind to each other, we're empathetic, we're listening genuinely, authentically, um, we're able to bring our genuine selves to work and there's no real difference between us and work. Uh, my partner and I used to always say this to um, all the new orientees on the first day of class. We like to have fun. We create fun. Yes, we're in a serious environment. There's a lot of things that we can't always be joking about, but we like to have fun when it's appropriate and legal. <laughs> so we make sure that we're having fun because if we're not having fun, it's work. And I don't know anybody who enjoys doing work. I love that. Um, it's nice to be important, but it's important to be nice. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll savor and ruminate in, in that uh, idiom that you shared. Um, I know for the listeners out there, and, and what I want to share is uh, managers and leaders by title. Communication. You always rail your employees when they don't communicate up the line. Well, you need to know this. You need to know this. You need an IR for this. You need a uh, an XYZ for this. 
yes, that 100% needs to happen. And I feel, and I'll say an I feel statement, and I know that you're failing when you're failing by not communicating downward. If you have a truck that's on assignment and it's going to be out of service, but it's back in their district and it shows back in district on their GeoSafe or whatever the case it may be, however they're marked, and you haven't communicated to the crew that's over there uh, taking care of them, you know, and, and on that post, if you will, and they're like, well, why are we still here? Truck XYZ is back. Um, and you're there for another 40 minutes and you didn't communicate to them that that truck was going to be out of service. You think that this crew, because behaviorally, they take an extra 30, 40 minutes at the hospital. They stop to go have a sit down meal, you know, all these types of things. And they say, well, you know, it's against demand. It's against the organization because they don't pay us enough. No, you're screwing your brothers and sisters. And I'm going to say that yes. I want, uh, loud and clear. So leaders that don't communicate downward and allow for this type of behavior to happen you're failing the people that will leave and you're and you're supporting the people uh that care only for mediocrity and less and and i will uh man i was angry on this podcast and i and i love speaking with you michael i'm not obviously angry it's with passion you. it's passion it's not anger it's i'm passion. probably i'm probably angry too um and maybe <laughs> and and that just uh the one thing that I found as as um, a, a manager that people who are your employees that are angry, they're angry for a reason. They're angry because they still care. They have a passion. They care. And there's something that's a discord and they don't know how to solve it. Your job is to intervene and find out what it is that they're passionate or caring about that's making them angry. What is the frustration that's leading to that anger? And let's resolve it so that they can continue to uh, have that passion and that flame because apparently they still want to be there. Yeah, th there's definitely a, a something that wants to go on. Um, I'm looking up a, a, a physician, a cardiologist that I, I did grand, I attended grand rounds in Oklahoma City and he was mm -hmm. the uh the trainer the speaker the educator for that for that session uh and he's from uh out of state so the organization that I work with and work for periodically brought him in to do grand rounds uh and I, I'm looking for specifically and it might be easier if I if I did it another way uh, uh the question that he asked and, and we're going to go over it a little bit on the podcast ladies and gentlemen um I I I uh, appreciate you listening. Tap into this really quickly. Um, I know I can find it. Okay, boom. The question was, for leaders looking for ways to protect, strengthen their hearts and of those they serve, here's some valuable insights. Quick check-in. How does your heart feel when you think about your workplace boss or employer? And this is Jonathan Fisher. Uh, uh, FACC MD, he's a cardiologist. Uh, and th this was my response. I, horrible. My feelings are horrible in my heart as a result of promises unmet, lack of overall accountability, lack of acceptance of, and, and the acceptance of mediocrity um, at best, and the lack of collaboration, listening, and engagement. Grateful for my work with Applied Improv and conversations with people like you, Michael. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, 
but yet I, I, you know, I said, I enjoyed your presentation in Oklahoma city. You're, you're, you know, at the, and I said, I would love to continue to share your message, but what resonates a horrible feeling in my heart because of promises unmet, lack of overall accountability and acceptance of mediocrity. Those were my responses. And, and, uh, those are authentic. They're honest. They're real. Uh, there are, that's not only just, uh, there, there, it's not just, you know, there's empirical data that shows that these things, you know, because if we post something and say, we're going to do this and it doesn't happen, it's not just me bloviating and, and complaining and bitching and moaning. Right. It's guaranteed. There's at least a hundred thousand EMTs and paramedics across the United States, if not across the world that are nodding their heads in agreement with you, with those three topics. Um, Trust is built on saying what you're going to do and doing what you're going to say. So those uh, promises failed. Um, the frustration for all your good, hardworking people is always seeing the acceptance of mediocrity. Me mediocrity, sorry. Um, by those you will always fall to the common to the common level and if management is accepting and not holding accountable certain personnel and they're allowing things to go on your good people are going to get frustrated they're going to be quiet they're going to shut up and then they're eventually just going to leave um a lot of the um that quiet quitting or uh, the great resignation, silent resignation that they have going around um, mm -hmm. in business in general is good people who finally got fed up to the point where they said enough's enough and they're just leaving. Yeah. Um, they got tired of not having their bonuses for working from home or productivity um, stipends or whatever. All these extra promises were given to them and sold to them. They got tired of not getting the promises. Um, in EMS, we're getting a new truck. We're getting new equipment. Um, you're getting new uniforms, whatever it is. If you're going to put something out there, you need to be able to back it up. And as you said earlier, if there's a problem with not being able to back it up other than you're full of hot air, you got to communicate downward, tell them that, Hey, listen, um, we're not getting that new vehicle, uh, this week. We're not getting it this month. The budget doesn't allow for it. Um, we had this unforeseen, um, malfunction with the AC system. We had to repair it. Uh, whatever it is, your employees don't need to know every nook and cranny and every single detail, especially when it's mission critical for the operation. But, they do need to know in general terms what is going on. They need to feel as if they're a part of that decision-making process. And if they're not a part of that decision-making process, they need to at least know what is going on to be aware, to operate appropriately. Yeah. So, Michael, on that note, mm -hmm. we're going to wrap it up here. And what I want to say is – your passion, your heart, your spirit is heard loud and clear by me 
from the LinkedIn where you, you're very intentional about engaging with people and seeking engagement back, you're very, 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 very a two-way street. That's integrity to me. You're not just lurking and, 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 and pulling and gleaning Thank from you. others, right? You're giving as well. Giving yes. and receiving. And, and that's relational. You're not just going, I'm going to take a tra transaction and, and do this. And that's who I try to be. So it's grateful. Uh, well, I'm grateful, excuse me, for the time that you've given us, our listeners, that are passionate about these topics uh, that may have not been passionate, but we, we've caused a little upheaval. Uh, and, and that's a good thing, too. Oh, absolutely. It is we, always. We, we need to do a little bit of change or a lot of bit of change. Uh, but even if it's incremental change, I, I'm good with that. You know, we're incremental not gonna, change is yeah, the best. We're not we're not going to fix it all today or tomorrow. But if we're working towards that and, and we can start having the integrity uh, of, of saying what we do, doing what we're saying and meeting people where they are. You said that very early on. And giving them a platform, a place to be safe, feel safe and be creative and be themselves. This is and has been the EMS Improv Podcast, where we have engaged, where we are mindful, try to be mindful. We've shared and told stories. We are powered by GEMS. I'm Eric Chase, and we have been with our guest, Michael Hanat, or for those of you that know him from Brooklyn and Rockland County and Orange County, New York representing, or Chenat, right? Um, you are and have been a fantastic guest. You did this on short notice. I reached out to you this morning and said, hey, you want to come on? And you're like, yeah, let's do this. Um, Absolutely. We made amazing happen. As always, you know, when we engage, you, you've shared ideas with me. I shared ideas with you. Uh, we've put some things out there to the universe. And uh, and, and hopefully it ignites uh, a passion in someone else. Uh, Good things to, will come. To do more. Uh, Michael, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Hold on after I stop. Ladies and gentlemen. Be well, be safe, and peace be with you.